In Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Kids are amazing. They give us so much hope for the world. They inspire us. They teach us new things. They make us laugh. Their pure hearts and open minds, untouched by the cynicism of the world, have the ability to change us. When we have conversations with kids about the hard things in this world, and then we give them the opportunity to be a part of the solution, it creates a ripple effect that can be felt in communities and neighborhoods and even around the world. My guest today saw an opportunity to provide clean water to communities in need in India by partnering with the savviest of business owners, kids. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Every week, I interview an entrepreneur, a nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to change the world. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Allison Storm, who is actually part of the His Morning Crew on His Radio and founder of Crowdsourcing Kids. Crowdsourcing Kids is what happens when 50 children combine their efforts to fully fund a well drilling project in India, completely changing the lives of hundreds of people. 50 full-service fundraising kits are available in each class of crowdsourcing kids. This is an incredible box that helps children run their own mini business selling stuffed elephants handmade in India. And through this, babies will live. Girls will get an education. People will stay healthy. All because children joined forces to help. I am so excited to have this conversation with Allison, and I know you are going to love it. So on to my chat with Allison. Hey, Allison. I am so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. This is so exciting. Um, So funny thing is you and I got introduced by, and my listeners are already going to probably know the answer to this, because one of the most... She is a connector. This person is a connector. And I would say, okay, this is probably an exaggeration, but I was like, it feels like half of my guests I have been, and that is in, you know, over 160 episodes, like half my guests I've been introduced to through Bethany Tran from The Root Get out! I'm serious. Like, I feel like half the the time I'm like, so we met through Bethany Tran. So we met through Bethany Tran. Bethany connected us. Um, So Bethany's one of my nearest and dearest friends. She connected me to you, um, or we connected. And I just am, I, I just think you're incredible. And I'm so excited to have you on the show to really just hear your story and hear kind of how you got to where you are. Um, but I'm curious, how do you know Bethany? <laughs> oh my goodness. I I couldn't pinpoint it directly, but I want to say maybe through a conference or something. And then we've just stayed connected. And um, I have a family that's in Christian publishing and I tried to get her to do a book way back when. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's funny because she actually reached out to me to connect her with somebody in media And I did that. And then I thought, you know, I should do what Bethany does. So I asked her, I said, do you know anybody that would be good for me to reach out to with my story that I want to share? And she says, I know the perfect person. (laughs) Well, I love that. That's fun. Yeah, I'm so so glad it worked out. Yes, yes. Well, um, I mean, I think that leads us uh, to the perfect segue to the first question. And that is giving us the Allison 101. Um, So you know, for the listeners that don't know who you are, um, tell us who you are and what you do and uh, tell us your story. Absolutely. So I grew up in Iowa in uh, kind of not on a farm or anything. People kind of picture that. It, Iowa does have more pigs than people, but I was in kind of a city and I really was looking for a way to see the world. And I thought journalism would be a great way to do that. So I went to college for journalism. I went to Iowa State University And I don't know if I should include this part of the story, but it's just kind of one of those really weird things. Um, After college, I didn't have a job. So my friend sent me an email about a contest that was running back in my hometown where you could enter to win a car by living in it. 
And so I entered and they selected me. So I moved back home (laughs) and I lived in a Pontiac Aztec for 10 days with five people. With five people? (laughs) It was so smelly in there. I think, well, they eliminated people throughout it. So at the end, it was me and two guys trying to win this car. And this was a huge deal in my town because it was a pretty small town. It's Sioux City, Iowa. And they drove us all around. We went to like Indian reservations to the casinos and they parked us at the mall in the center court. We were like the exhibit, you know, that people like came out and watched and like uh, it was a big deal back then. This was like 2000, 2000, I think. Yeah. 2001. And uh, at the end, they made it all dramatic. It was like a survivor theme thing. And I got second place. Dustin Connect won the car. And I got a thousand dollar gift certificate to an electronics store where I bought like, That's you amazing. know, <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. a VCR and a camcorder. That's like the oldest thing now. I don't think I still have it. But <laughs> anyway, all that to say is that I sort of became like a local celebrity <laughs> living in this car. And that helped me land my first job. So I guess it kind of worked out. So I started working at the local NBC affiliate. Some people probably thought she just got that job because she was in the car. But I actually went to school for it. I did all these internships. You know, I interned at uh, KNBC in L.A. and KPLR in St. Louis. And anyway, I I had, you know, some skill, not maybe not skills, but, <laughs> you know, I sort of work in that, that way. And so I worked there. That was my first job. And then I worked my way up to a station in Fort Myers, Florida. And then from there, I came to Greenville, South Carolina to work for the CBS affiliate. And uh, I just kind of thought that I would always be in news and doing that kind of storytelling. But one day it was like I had one too many stories given to me to cover something heartbreaking and it was like something broke and I just started sobbing. I went home. I got in bed like still wearing my reporter suit and I like pulled the covers up and I called my assignment editor bawling and just saying, I don't feel well. I'm not going to, I had to go home. And it was then that it just like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. TV news broke me. (laughs) Um, so I, but I knew that there had to be something else. So I didn't sign, I didn't resign my next contract. And at the same time I was getting married and my poor husband didn't know me well enough to know that, you know, I'm not someone who's just going to lay on the couch all day. (laughs) So he was like bringing me job applications to Starbucks and stuff. And I'm like, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. So I was freelance writing for several years and, uh, always, you know, I always have to have that goal where I get to the top. So I, I worked my way up and I was writing for Red Book and self and stuff like that. And that was really fun. But then one day I was sitting on the couch and my son was napping. He was a baby. So this was seven, you know, almost seven years ago, no, six years. And, um, I got a text and it was from a guy that I had interviewed back when I was in TV news and his name is Rob Dempsey and he works at his radio and he's texted me and he said, have you ever thought about doing morning radio? And I thought, Hmm, that actually, yes, but I've never been bold enough to say that out loud. Cause I thought oh, I could never do that. So he brought me in and explained that they are doing this amazing thing at his radio that is innovative, never been done in Christian radio before. And they're basically a television show for radio. So their studio is outfitted with cameras. It's streamed live and it's also uploaded afterwards on all these different locations. Now we're on Apple TV and Roku and all of that. And so I was like, this is the perfect way to mix my TV background with the fact that I don't have to cover horrible breaking news anymore. So I started working at his radio five years ago, just had my anniversary. And although my alarm has to go off at 3.56 in the morning every day, I I do love it. It's really fun and exciting. Um, And through all of that, I've really been passionate about water missions and the world water crisis. And I just, when I first found out about it, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that there's something that's we take for granted so easily that other people don't have at all. And so I started raising money for water missions. And one of the first crazy things that I convinced my husband to do during our first year of marriage, we've been married 12 years now, 
uh, was ride Vespa scooters across South and North Carolina to raise money for a water mission organization. I don't know why he agreed to it, but <laughs> so we called it Two Wheels for Water, and it was the two of us. And we didn't even, this is before GPS, so we had everything like MapQuest printed out, directions, and we drove across, rode on scooters across the Carolinas, and somehow I got hotels to like donate us rooms and stuff, and it was quite the adventure. But that was kind of the first big thing that I did for water missions, and I've just been hooked ever since, just trying to make a difference in this world, because it is one of those issues that we can make a difference. I mean, the big number, I think it's not a billion people in the world that don't have clean water anymore. It's gone down a little bit, but still it's a huge number. But when you're able to give one village clean water and completely change lives for hundreds of people, I mean, that is amazing to me. Absolutely. There, that's, that is something that I try to really explain or, or kind of show through this podcast or not show because you can't see it but you know what I'm saying you you, you, mm-hmm. can, you catch my drift is that it, like, you can make a dent and I actually re- um, read a statistic recently that in like the last 25 years the um, people living in global poverty has actually been cut in half wow um, now we still have a long way to go but that shows that progress is being made and it's because people are standing up and saying oh we can actually do something and people connect with individual stories and people connect with individual villages and things like that you know and when when you hear these really large numbers of you know uh, almost a billion people living without clean water that can be really overwhelming but then Mm -hmm. when you connect it to let me tell you the story about this village and in this place in the world. And let me tell you about this family and this woman that is trying to make a difference in her village. When you connect it and you make it personal, that inspires people. Like stories are powerful and they really do inspire people to to take action um, and to make change. And I know this is something that you and I can talk about because I know that um, that you're a believer. And, and that's one of the things, you know, actually this morning in Bible study we were talking about is that, you know, as as Christians, as believers, like we know that God has equipped us with the with the tools and he has equipped us with um, his promises and his word. And he says that like his word will not return void and his promises are true. Um, and so if, if we know that and we believe that, then that we know that he's given us the tools to take action and to, and to make change. We're not supposed to just stand there and wait <laughs> because mm-hmm. if we just stand there and wait, then nothing's going to happen. And so um, I just love that this is something that you have really, you know, has become a, a big passion for you. And you've now also inspired others to enact change. Well, one of the things that I think the biggest hurdle you sometimes have to overcome is yourself and like thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I can't really do that. Or what can I do? I'm just blah, 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 you know. Um, but James 4.17 says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And that verse uh, came to me at a time when I I knew what I was supposed to do, and that was to you know be a part of and step into this water crisis and do something about it. And it was a time of worship, and I was at church on a Sunday, and it was like this idea just popped into my head, and it was one of those moments that you know, like that didn't come from me <laughs> because it was such a like clear picture of something. And the idea that God gave me was uh, a, a way to involve children in the world water crisis and helping them be a part of the solution in a way that is so tangible. And like you mentioned, like letting them see the people's faces that they're helping. So can I tell you about the whole thing, the idea? Please do. Okay. Okay. So it's called crowdsourcing kids. And I've been working for years with an organization called Set Free. They're based in Greer, South Carolina, and they drill wells in Liberia, Sierra Leone, and India. And uh, way back when I got to go to Liberia and see their work. And then when my son was about one year old, 
um, they asked me if I wanted to go to India and I felt so torn. I mean, you've got two little kids. Like, can you imagine traveling halfway around, like leaving them and traveling halfway around the world? Well, I actually did that when my son was 11 months old. So yeah, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought if I don't go, what am I teaching him? If I do go and something happens to me, people are going to think I'm nuts. You know, I'm like the worst mom ever. So it was like a battle, but in the end I decided to go and it turned out to be such a life-changing trip for me. Set Free not only drills wells and uses that as a tool to really show the love of Christ, but they also rescue children from slavery. And there's an amazing pastor partner there. His name is Praveen. And I got to spend uh, about a week and a half with him. And I was just in awe. I still, he's, he's still the, the most amazing man I've ever had the chance to meet. Um, he leads thousands of other pastors in India. He's still in his 20s, um, young guy. He started this whole thing because he was on, he, what was it? He was walking and he heard a baby crying and he went into this dump area. And if you've been to India, there's a lot of like just random trash piles and stuff in places. It's also very beautiful, but there's a lot of trash. And he like was hearing this baby and he pulled back the trash and he found a baby in there and he picked this baby up and he was only like 21 years old at the time. And he took the baby and he got on a train because he was on his way home from college. And, and like this baby was the beginning of this whole ministry of him rescuing children. And the stories that you hear from him, you're like, this can't be true. This is a movie. You know, you just can't believe it. It's hard for us as Americans to like wrap our head around it. But over and over, he has risked his life to save children from slavery and um, during the trip, he took me to a mine where children were still working. And I'll try to get through it without tears, but it's still really hard and um, to talk about because it, it's, uh, I mean, you don't ever recover from seeing that. So there was like three levels of this pit and there was a rickety ladder and I remember climbing down it and I was so nervous, um, but I climbed down this ladder and the children were just so happy to see me. So it was like this weird moment of like inside I'm, I'm dying. I like can't believe what I'm seeing, but this moment is happy for them. So I don't want to ruin it. So I'm like smiling, but I'm feeling like a politician. Like, what am I doing? I'm like shaking these kids hands. And, and I still remember the feeling of their hands, like all dusty and they were soft because all they did was like work with these rocks all day. And They had bare feet and I just remember like trying to make them feel special and loved. And then a few minutes later, I climbed out of that pit and I've I've never been the same since then. So that moment like changed how I see the, you know, my purpose in life. And I wrestled for a long time. Like, what did I, why was I there? Why did you have me see that God? What is the purpose of that? And it's kind of become clear through this idea he gave me in that moment of worship. It's crowdsourcing kids. And um, so what it is, is we have some of those young women that have been rescued from slavery. They're learning a skill, the skill of um, sewing. And they sew these beautiful handmade elephants in bright colors and designs. And we put 12 of those elephants into a box. And then a child here in America sells those elephants. And when they do, they raise $130. And so when we get 50 kids to each sell one box of those elephants, they raise enough money to drill a well in India. And it's, so that's what we call it crowdsourcing. Cause it's that idea of like one person alone can't do it. But when 50 kids come together, the power that they have completely changes the lives of an entire village. And we get to send them pictures and video and they see a name. They could even look it up on a map, you know, and the, it gives a tool to the parents to be able to say, point to a map and say, look, that village, you helped them. You can do it. You can make a difference in this world. That's such an incredible story. And I love that idea because it, like you said, it not only connects them and gives them that personal 
that personal relationship with an with another area of the world but it also gives you know I mean there's just so many teaching moments um, in there and teaching kids about the importance of um, thinking of others and generosity and kindness and um, you know and then you've you can have business lessons in there with fundraising and how to handle money yeah. and things like kids that. Kids are so entrepreneurial yeah. you know they, my son loves that kind of stuff and the lemonades and it's just kind of a different way to really put a powerful lesson behind that. Absolutely. Now, when you, so you came up with this idea, was it when, while you were in India, when you came back, what, what was, what, you know, what was kind of the timeline on that? It was actually a couple of years after I'd been back. And this was still always in my mind of like, why was I there? What, like, God, what, what's the purpose of this? What do I need to do now that I've seen it with my own eyes? And even though he gave me the idea, I, I'm going to be honest. I was, I, okay. So I'm an Enneagram seven or what are you? I'm a two with a three a wing. Okay. So sevens are always, I never have a shortage of ideas <laughs> and they're not all good. <laughs> and so I, I get real like, mm, I'm going to sit on this a while and marinate. Cause I, you know, I've been through this many times with myself, like, Oh, I have a new idea. I'm going to change the world. And so I sat on it a while and I, I told a couple people and they thought it was good, but I just still wasn't quite sure. Like, is this a good idea or not? Well, I love thrift shopping and I went, went to a thrift store and I kid you not, but the, the, and I've never seen this before or since there was a stack of unused boxes that were exactly the size and shape that I pictured these being in. And they were at a thrift store. And I was like, okay, this what this is weird. What's going on? This has got to be it. So I bought a bunch of them and I I mocked it up and I was like, well, now I've got to do it because this this is too weird. This has got to be a sign. So <laughs> it took a little more um, convincing, but God did it in kind of a funny way. <laughs> so we created these boxes and we started on World Water Day uh, 2018. So we haven't even been doing it that long. And we are right now on our fifth well. And so that represents thousands of people who have clean water thanks to thanks to kids. I mean, this is completely kid powered, which is the coolest thing. That is so cool. Now, has there any, has, has anything, or I guess since launching this, has there been anything about the project that has maybe surprised you or maybe that you didn't expect? I would say the thing that surprises me is the range of age. Like, you know, there have been a couple of parents that have babies Mm. And this one mom in particular, she does this really cool thing where every month she has her daughter doing a service project, which was super inspiring to me. And she's being so intentional about it. And she's come back and had her daughter, who when she first started was less than a year old, selling boxes of elephants. Now, you know, when a baby does it, it's like the mom takes pictures with the baby holding elephants and maybe post it on her Facebook page or something. And of course, who's not going to buy an elephant from adorable baby? But I think, you know, the less the real lesson is going to continue for years to come because she's going to be able to say, Moira, look at what you did as a baby. You gave clean water to a village in India as a baby. So what are you going to do with your life? Like, look how God is using you already. Yeah. I mean, train a child up in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. I mean, it really is like your kids are watching. They are paying attention to what you do, to the lessons that you're teaching them. And I love hearing those stories of parents that are just really being very intentional about teaching their kids the the important values of generosity and kindness and, and, you know, focus away from self. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like... It's like anything. Mm-hmm. You really have to be intentional. Kids aren't going to like accidentally become compassionate and kind. Right. Right. They, I mean, I mean, I don't, I, I only have one child right now. So I, you know who I'm talking about, but I, they can be kind of like jerks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. If oh, I yeah. had more than one, you'd be like, oh, I wonder which one she's talking about. Sorry, Sammy. Um, 
<gasps> no, he's amazing. He's an amazing little boy. He just turned seven um, and we're adopting. So soon he's going to have a little sister. And so it's been important for me to I, I, when I came home from that trip, I'm like, I cannot have this kid grow up to be entitled. Yes. If he is entitled, I have failed as a parent. I, I feel very strongly about that. And too. entitlement is such an epidemic in our children. But when I was researching all about this, I found out what kills entitlement. <laughs> you might want to write this down. It's compassion, responsibility, and a sense of significance. Hmm. And there's this parenting expert, her name is Amy McCready, and she says that a sense of significance for your kids comes from feeling like they have the ability to make meaningful contributions. And so this, I think, is exactly what that fulfills. This is giving your child a chance to step into something that is so much bigger than themselves and to realize just how blessed they are. I am taking a quick break from my conversation with Allison to just share with you guys the fall collection from Seiko Designs. You are going to be so inspired by the richness of the colors of this season, like pebbled amore, oiled olive, and rich mahogany. Let the fall collection not only be a celebration of travel, but also a celebration of the journey within. My favorite pieces are, I'm actually wearing the multi-way shawl in Chianti today, along with the How It's Made Matters tee. These two pieces are worn so much, and every single time I wear them, people ask me about them. They're so comfortable, handmade, fair trade, stylish, and just perfect for everything from everyday wear to being all dressed up to go out with girls or on a date night, whatever it is. So to shop this incredible collection, go to SeikoDesigns.com slash Molly Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O designs.com forward slash Molly Stillman. Now back to my chat with Allison. There is a fantastic book um, written by a friend of mine, um, Kristen Welch. It's called Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. Um, it's a just a really great book that has a lot of lessons in there about um, just teaching your kids about compassion and generosity. Um, and they're hard. It's it's hard lessons. Um, it's it's things that take work um, and take intentionality, but um, you're right. Just the the more that we can, as parents, lead by example um, and really work on instilling those values in our kids, the the better. Um, but yeah, you, I am the exact same way. I have zero tolerance for entitlement. My daughter's six, and like anytime she gets like really, you know, when she's being really six, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, and she just gets mad over something that is let's be honest, really silly to be mad about or she's just not getting her way. I'm like, nope, nope, mama is not. Mama has zero patience for mm-hmm. for this attitude. Um, so I'm like, you're going to need to cut that out or you're going to be spending the rest of your night in the room. Um. Exactly. And in America, that's hard because yeah. they have influence for that it from everywhere. Yes, it's so love- hard. I love that you mentioned Kristen Welch because I literally, I'm reading her book, Raising World Changers in a Changing World. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. She's and amazing. I have all this stuff highlighted. I mean, it is really good. She is amazing. She has just one of the kindest hearts um, in the entire world. Uh, I, If you want to go way back in the archives, listeners, uh, she was actually on my guest on episode nine, I believe. Um, and I mean, we are here at episode what, uh, like 7 billion. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> one sixty four. So, I mean, go way back in the trenches of the, uh, business with purpose archives and you can hear Kristen's story and how she, um, how she started mercy house and yeah, she's amazing. Highly recommend. Um, But actually, well, this leads me to two questions. Um, They are unrelated, but related to things we've just been talking about. So I'm going to ask them one at a time. Uh, So you mentioned briefly that you are adopting. Um, Do you, are you open to share a little bit about your adoption story? 
Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited because as my brother-in-law reminded me this week, because I needed it, he said, the road behind you is so much longer than the road in front of you. This has been such a long journey, three and a half years. Wow. Three and a half years. I know. I didn't know that when I started. Um, but it, but that's good because I may not have started. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is another thing that we were talking about in Bible study this morning. See, this is just confirmation is that yes. sometimes God doesn't tell us the whole plan because if we knew the whole plan and what the future would look like, we probably wouldn't do it. So. Right. <laughs> yes, oh yes, goodness. yes. That's so true. Well, this is um, one of those areas where I wasn't very obedient and quick to be obedient because I knew I was supposed to adopt ever since I was like in middle school. I was volunteering at my church's vacation Bible school and I met a little girl who had been adopted from China and there was just something in my heart. I was like, I'm supposed to do that. And I knew it. And so my husband, he was on board and everything, but we're also very passionate about being debt free. And it's expensive to adopt. Mm -hmm. And so that paralyzed us for years. It paralyzed us. And we just couldn't imagine, like, when are we ever going to have 30 grand just sitting in an account? Like, that we're going to be like, yeah, let's do the adoption. We'll be too old by then. So um, I I was listening to a Francis Chan book on an audio book. And it was a book about marriage. But he goes, why not as Christians... Do we not move? just assume that we're all supposed to adopt and move forward with that thought? And if God doesn't want us to, he'll shut it down. And it was like, oh, I know I'm supposed to adopt and I'm not doing that. Like, where is faith if I'm thinking I need the money in an account before I will do it? You know, that's not faith. And it was like a really aha moment, like convicting moment for me. And we just decided, okay, we're going to start doing this and see what happens. And we knew God had called us to be debt-free and stay debt-free. So we weren't going to be taken out alone, but God has just provided every step of the way. And it's been the most amazing thing to watch because like exact amounts of money will come in that we need. And we worked hard. Don't get me wrong. We've had a lot of fundraisers, crazy, some of them kind of crazy. Like one, uh, three years ago, we, uh, people hired us to hide Easter eggs in their yard. And we like went out in the dead of night and like hid Easter eggs in people's yards. Um, we have had yard sales and we sold Valentine's balloon bouquets. I mean, we did everything. And then we also got some grants and that was incredible. And, um, man, and then just confirmation along the way that the timing of this was just perfect. Like the, the day that I had my dossier, which is like, they call it your paperwork baby, but it's like a stack, like a foot high of all the paperwork that you have to compile. The day I had that complete was the day that we had Stephen Curtis Chapman in the studio. And if you don't know, Stephen Curtis Chapman is is an amazing advocate for adoption. Big time. Mm -hmm. And he and his wife have an organization called Show Hope and Mm -hmm. they run children's homes and uh, give grants and all sorts of crazy things like that. So he actually like laid his hands on my paperwork and prayed for it. Oh, my goodness. It was a special moment. (laughs) Very special. So anyway, it's been a long, very, very hard journey. And I'm a different person now than I was when I started it. And I'm thankful for that. But our beautiful girl, she's in a tiny country called Burundi. It's the third poorest country in the world. It's kind of by Rwanda. I didn't know anything about it until I (laughs) signed up. But she's been in an orphanage since almost exactly the same day that we signed our contract to get started on all of this. And she just turned four. And hopefully... um, this Christmas, she'll be with us. Wow. Wow. Allison, that is just, that's incredible. Um, I love your faithfulness and perseverance through all of this. And I am just cheering you and your sweet family on as you bring your daughter home. Um, and that is just, I love, love, I cannot get enough of those stories of God just showing up 
in those moments of just when you need a certain amount of money for a certain application and it just it just happens and mm-hmm. it's not that you don't put in the work but just the way that God just shows up and provides and wow I, I love that um, thank you so much for sharing and I cannot wait to see pictures of you and your sweet family together at Christmas I know. I can't, I can't wait either. She's adorable and she just got the most beautiful eyes and smile. Her name, um, her nickname, we've been calling her Fanny and my son is Sammy. And <laughs> this is kind of a funny story, but literally one time at Chipotle, a lady asked me if my son was albino. So if you can kind of imagine like a very um, pale skin blonde boy and my beautiful daughter together, like I just cannot wait to see them together. And he already <laughs> loves her so much and he's going to be a great big brother. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Back when we were talking before and I had two questions for you, one was about adopting. Um, but since we were talking about books, Uh, You also have a background in publishing. Um, How did you kind of get into that field? And do you still work in publishing? Tell me all about that. My family, my husband's family uh, has a Christian publishing company. So I kind of married into it. My father-in-law started it in Northern Ireland in uh, 1979. Wow. So they're 40 years. I know. Cause that's the year I was born. So I just celebrated my 40th birthday. Um, but he started it in Northern Ireland and has worked its way up and, and it's called ambassador international. And my husband worked for the company for many years and kind of worked his way up and, um, and then I came on board, you know, part-time back in the day to just help with, um, marketing and PR and things for the authors and just kind of working using my skills in that way. But um, yeah, so it's it's been really fun to see kind of the inside look at the Christian publishing world. That is really cool. So uh, I'm guessing that means that your husband is Irish. <laughs> <laughs> he is Irish. He was born in Northern Ireland, uh, just outside Belfast. Oh, so that's awesome. He moved here to work for the family's Christian publishing company. And uh, ended up becoming a citizen, I guess, probably about five years ago now. So he's, he's legit. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, both of my family, my maiden name is Buckley and my middle name is, I, my, my middle name was Eileen. So Molly Eileen Buckley, I was a, I'm pretty Irish. Uh, I mean, I was not born in Ireland, but um, from what we can tell, all of my ancestors on both sides are super Irish. So like all of them. Have you done one of those tests? No, I haven't. And I kind of am curious about it. But my so my great aunt on my mom's side was a genealogist back when they like, you know, before Ancestry.com. Like she that was what she did. And in the 80s did a genealogy, like a full blown genealogy report on um, our family and from everything that we could tell um, my on my dad's side um, our whole family goes back to Ca- County Cork Ireland mm. um, and then on my mom's side it was also near Cork similarly um, and also and I don't I I would be really curious to do like another thing but th- th- okay I did not make this up I am clear clarifying that in advance, but according to my great aunt on my mom's side, we are distantly related to Pocahontas as well. So, yeah, apparently, I guess when Pocahontas left the United States and, like, moved overseas, there's, like, possibility that she had some children uh, in Europe. So, I don't, again... I don't know how valid that that claim is, but that was always what I was told growing up. And I read the genealogy report that said that. So but, you know, this was done in the 80s. So like, who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, no, super Irish on both sides. Uh, like, you know, both my parents were one of five Irish Catholics. Like they all had like the most Irish names ever. So <laughs> I um, honestly, I thought I was Irish and my mom's maiden name is McCorkle. And she's always like, yeah, we're from Cork. Just like, you, you know, you're, yeah. you said your family. Well, I took it and I'm like Norwegian. What? <laughs> That's hilarious. And they said I'm 0.7% Nigerian, which I thought was really funny. Well, I like that. That's pretty interesting. 
I know. I'm like, how, how does that happen? How does that happen? Um, very interesting. Yeah. I love it. That's, um, I know I've, I've wanted to do well, which one did you do? An- the ancestry or 23 and me or my heritage, my heritage, my heritage. My heritage. And it's so crazy because we did it on our, on our radio show on his radio we have a morning show, so we do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so we all took these genealogy tests, and then we revealed what we are. And and then my boss uh, decided to take it. And he took it, and he did not know that at the same time, somebody in France was taking it for the first time. And found he found out that he has a brother that he didn't know about. What? And yes is a crazy story. So he has a brother in France and he found out thanks to the my heritage DNA test, they were able um I got my heritage to like fly him and his family out to Paris um last year and meet them for the first time. It was a huge story because France has just made this legal. Like it was um something that you couldn't do up until recently is take these DNA tests. Um so yeah, so they have a whole family now that they didn't know about. That is awesome. I love stories like that. Crazy, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I don't know. I've 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 kind of wanted to do it, but I just haven't pulled you know bit the bullet on it. So maybe 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 I'll think about doing that soon. You should do it on the show. That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay. Well, Allison. Uh. Before we transition to the get to know you round, um, if somebody listening is really interested in having. Um, well, one in checking out, uh, you know, his radio and, and your show, if they're interested in one of the crowdsourcing kids boxes, where can they find out all that information? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, his radio airs across the Carolinas and coastal Georgia on dozens of frequencies, but you can also find us at hisradio.com. We have an app where it's streamed. And if you want to watch, cause yeah, I actually have to like dry shampoo my hair every day. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, we have cameras. People are always like, oh, it's so nice. You just roll out of bed. I'm like, no, no. I have to like actually put on makeup. No. Um, I know. But it's streamed on Apple TV and Roku. And we have the Alexa thing. Like, I don't I don't have one of those. So I've never done it. But I guess you can say, Alexa, play his morning crew. And it'll play like our highlights. So, oh, nice. I know. It's pretty neat. So, um, yeah. So that that's how you can find me on his radio. And then, you know, also Instagram. I'm at Allie Storm, A-L-I storm um and then what was it oh crowdsourcingkids.com of course that's where you can go to sign up and get a box and we'll ship it to you and uh we have boxes right now for the fifth well that we're working on so we still need kids to partner with us and to sell these elephants and i they they sell so fast they're adorable elephants they're um ten dollars for the small ones 15 for the large ones and kids always sell out really quickly so they never have a problem but and it's also comes with everything you need to teach your kid about the world water crisis and help them be a part of the solution so crowdsourcingkids.com that is amazing i love it so much um for the listeners i will make sure to have all of those links and information in the show notes as usual but definitely check it out support allison and everything that they're doing and i would just love to see so many um kids you know kids of listeners participating and fundraising and i can't wait to have lily and amos do it i think it's just going to be it's going to be amazing and precious and adorable and also um, really important and giving back to something that is um, a cause near and dear to many of our hearts. So thank you for all that you're doing, Allison. Wouldn't that be cool if we could get a whole well just from this um, podcast? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I just got chills. Yes. So cool. Let's do it. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> um, okay, Allison. Well, now is the time in the show where we transition just a little bit here at the end to ask just some fun, lighthearted, get-to-know-you questions. Um, it's one of my favorite segments of the show. So, Allison, are you ready for the get-to-know-you round? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, if you were, this is one of my personal favorite questions to ask. Um, if you are a professional athlete, what would your walk-up song be? You know what I mean? Like if, if you're like a baseball player, every baseball player has like their own walk-up song. What would oh. your walk-up song be? I know I should say like a Christian no, song since I work want. at a Christian radio station. <laughs> you can say whatever but- you want. 
honestly, I've thought about this, and it would be Imagine Dragons Thunder. Is that the name of the yes, song? Yes, I love that song. Because my last name is Storm, so come on. Like, uh, I can just totally picture it. That's perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. that should absolutely be your song. I'm here, I'm here for that. Um, and it gets you fired up. That's yes, a good song. it absolutely does. My kids actually like that song. I know, um, Sammy does too. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Okay, uh, if someone were to play you in a movie... Who would you want it to be? Hmm. Oh, oh, this is so funny. So my friends and I, I have four really close friends from childhood. And 18 years ago, we started a traveling journal. And what it is, is like, I, I, I was the first one to write in it. And then I, I, put it in the mail and send it to the next person and they write in it and then send it to the next person. So it's been circulating among the five of us for 18 years. And it's, we added it up. It's basically traveled around the world like two times and it's never gotten lost in the mail, which I think is a miracle. But on April Fool's, I know, but on April Fool's, I made a fake movie poster and put up that they were making a movie about the traveling journal and our friendship. (laughs) And so I picked actresses that were going to play each of them. And the girl that I picked to play me was Claire Danes. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. I don't know why, except maybe like one person 20 years ago told me I kind of look like her. And I was like, oh, okay, she can play me. (laughs) Now, are we talking like Romeo and Juliet, Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, or are we talking about like 2019 Claire Danes? <laughs> oh, I, I'm not sure. Let's go with the younger version. Younger Sorry, version, Claire. Claire Danes. I like that. I like that. Now, actually, fun fact I know about you is that you were on, what was it, Good Morning America or the Today Show talking about the traveling journal? The Today Show. Yeah, that's so fun. Anniversary. That is that- so fun. That was an unreal experience. They flew us all out to New York City and we got to do the whole makeup in the green room thing and, um, uh, you know, just getting to meet. We were on the Kathy Lee and Hoda hour, so that was really fun. It, it was an incredible experience. That's amazing. That is amazing. I love Kathy Lee Gifford so awesome. much. She's just, she is one of those people. I'm like, she's a dream guest for this podcast. I would just love to have Kathy Lee on because she's just, I mean, what an amazing woman. And it's funny because it wasn't even until a couple years ago that I knew that, or I found out that she's like, she's like a, she has like Christian, like a Christian album, like, like a lot. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had oh, yeah. no idea. I'm like, what? I had, how did I not know this about Kathy Lee? She's like this incredible, like gospel singer. <laughs> and so much wisdom from yes. her. Oh my yes. goodness. Yes. Um, so remind me because I have her assistance contact info I'll yes. give it to her she she would not do an interview on our show because it's too early in the morning and it's on video <laughs> <laughs> but your show she she would definitely say yes um oh my gosh that's amazing okay y'all heard it here first Allison's <laughs> making it happen Allison's gonna be my next connector Bethany introduces <laughs> me and then Allison's gonna yeah it's gonna happen um Sorry, I love it I love it um okay um of all of your pet peeves which one is the strangest? Do you have a really strange pet peeve? Um, I don't like when other people's hair touches me. <laughs> like <laughs> That is a strange ever, pet peeve. Have you ever been in a crowded place and like somebody's some woman's long hair like touches you and it's kind of sweaty? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is amazing. I've really learned a lot about you in the past 45 minutes. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot, thankfully. But I was going to say, like, how often are you finding people's sweaty hair touching you? Oh, that's that's good really stuff. grosses me out. Or like when people rub a napkin on their teeth. <laughs> oh. I can egg right now just thinking about it. Oh, that's amazing. That is, that's funny. Um, I love that. That's great. Uh, That's the perfect answer. Um, And I think that that uh, leads us to our last question, which is is a serious question. Um, And this is when I ask all my guests. And that is, Allison, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? I love that question. Um, Running a business with purpose means 
realizing just how blessed you are Mm. and being able to then turn around and take those blessings and use them in a way to help others. Mm. And that's really the heart of crowdsourcing kids. Like I just want kids to realize how blessed they are growing up where they're growing up, no matter what you're facing you've been given so much and there's a purpose for that. You know, there's a reason you're that bridge as, as, um, Kristen Welch wrote, you know, the reason some of us have been given so much is so we can be a bridge to those who don't have as much. Yep. Yep. Amen to that. Allison, this has been such a joy and a pleasure to have you on the show. You have been so much fun. You we've we've run the gamut of emotions. We've been on the edge of tears. We've laughed. Um, we didn't feel any fear, but you know, <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I did a little. Bit. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe there was fear. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but truly, you have been such a gift. Um, thank you so much for your just your openness and honesty and sharing. And I can't wait to see all of the the wells that are drilled around the world thanks to crowdsourcing kids and for the work that you guys are doing thank you so much this has been awesome i'd love to know what you loved about this episode or maybe something that you learned please let me know on social media you can find me at still being molly or at business with purpose podcast on instagram and facebook don't forget to use that hashtag business with purpose podcast when you share the show And be sure to check out and shop the Seiko Designs fall collection at SeikoDesigns.com slash Molly Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O designs.com forward slash Molly Stillman. As always, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible people who are changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your support week in and week out. Don't forget to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by my incredible husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton. And the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.